Hello, Heron. So, I've got a bunch of topics from last week. I've got a few new topics for this week. Do you have any topics? Well, yes, in fact, I do. Very good. Um, we've got, I think he's an, I'm not quite sure just how new a listener he is, mm -hmm. but, and I'm not going to name him right now. He and I have had a couple of ex interesting exchanges. Ah, he's the boyfriend of uh, the woman we discussed last week, I think, or the last recording. Uh, I doubt it. Uh, this is, uh, it turns out this person is a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, okay. Now I know who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Has he made that generally known? Um, no, I only know because, uh, I spent some time in his presence. Physically, you mean? Yes. Oh, okay. So you know, well, better than I know him anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, he, now, he's actually featured on previous Stone Apes. Okay. Uh, how long? Yeah. It, well, anyway, it was news to me that he's that he's a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. And uh, and I just find that really encouraging and a little bit scary. <laughs> well, no, not scary at all. Yes. But um, well, that's the problem with generalizations is that they're always yeah, wrong, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, no, they're not always. That's the problem. The problem with generalizations <laughs> is that they're usually right. Yes. It's the times <laughs> that they're wrong that uh, yes. Yeah, that that's why you have to stay alert. So, Generalizations are hel helpful, uh, yes. but you have to pay attention. Yes. Anyway, it just it was just an interesting thing that we've got a Jehovah's Witness. Of course, he may be seen in his own community as a bit of a weirdo. Who knows? Probably he is. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> yes. I mean, within his group, though. Yes. Anyway, uh, well, welcome, and um, yes. He, he, he's run the gauntlet. I mean, he's listened to every single recording. Oh, really? He's posted detailed notes to me and to you as well. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, my feeling is that if you're going to study Stone Ape with the tenacity that this gentleman has studied Stone Ape, then welcome to the discussion. Because Yeah, that's you're, fascinating. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting. Well, yeah. If, if you're ever interested in um, talking about it, James, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, um, we, we didn't really get into that at all when we exchanged things. Anyway, it, it's just interesting to me yes. uh, how, how we juggle these different stories, <laughs> yes. you know, and how, how he sees all this stuff. So yes, be, I mean, I, I spent a couple of evenings in his presence. We've talked for... How old is he? Uh, he must be in his... He's in his mid to late 40s, I think. Okay. And... Um, so you got to sort of take him seriously. <laughs> yeah, I think... I mean, my perspective is... When I find simple characters, I usually realize I haven't spent long periods of time in their company. Oh, yeah. And in my... You know, I... It's interesting, actually, because he's listened to the Stone Ape gauntlet and always had interesting bits of correspondence. I mean, he'll ping me periodically and just say, not necessarily, do you believe this? But he seems to have a problem, not necessarily a problem, but just he'll hear you say something and he'll hear me go, hmm. And then he'll assume that I agree with what you say, because I said, hmm. You don't? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> have, I, have I been missing all this? All this? <laughs> no, I just think, I mean, yeah. you take certain things to an extreme where I would not take it to the extreme that you take it to in certain circumstances. Well, see, now, even though that you couch it that way rather than, <laughs> you know, where I see myself as being somewhat moderate and you a bit stodgy. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> you know, clearly we can be way more radical. I mean, I think no one's, 
you know, aside from the NSA. I don't think I could any... be more radical. Oh, I think you're pretty mainstream on a variety oh, of I'm, issues. Oh, well, not every issue needs to be radicalized. There are plenty of issues that <laughs> I don't have an issue with. Yes. You know? But no, I mean, my perspective is actually, and there was something that people were, when I started podcasting in 2006, there were these fundamentalist atheist folk that used to say, <laughs> well, you have Christians that contribute to the Noble Eight source code. And I used to say to them, <laughs> what, what planet are you on? Well, I mean, I'm... Well, they're true believers again. Yes. You know, they're, that's, that's it. they're believers. Yes. And, uh, don't bother with them, <laughs> you know, the facts or anything. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, my person, and in fact, what, I think is interesting in terms of my interactions with James is when he told me this, he thought that, associated with him being a Jehovah's Witness, he thought that I'd be shocked. Now, truth be told, most of my interactions with Jehovah's Witnesses aren't particularly positive, but I think it's probably like American tourists, like, you know, they, yeah. they tend to be like the worst possible example that you acknowledge and note, but there are probably plenty more out there that just well, go along with their lives and, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't... And I'm, actually, I... I mean, being an outsider myself, I, I, I don't, you know, I would prefer the company of a Jehovah's Witness to, um, you know, a guy who works at the city accounting office. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they, they may not be <laughs> different know? people. They may be the same person. Well, I mean, no, that's true, too. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm talking about stereotypes now. You know, yeah, just, yeah obviously, any individual, you, you never know. It's just that the stereotypes do work, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That that's part like I say that's part of the problem with them is that mm. they do work much of the time and and they're absolutely right on. Mm. The problem is it's never more than a percentage, and and it, that percentage can vary from one uh, domain to another as to just how ac you know how accurately it predicts behavior you know yeah. But uh, that doesn't mean we should just dismiss stereotypes. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe this will stir people up. <laughs> you, know, you should get dismiss stereotypes. Uh, well, no, that we should accept uh, them for what they are and, and get that that's all we ever have. Yeah, I'm, they're they're I'm just pretty... generalizations, but we mistake yeah. them for, for some sort of God-given truth. Yeah, no, my perspective is I, I take the more, perhaps more extreme view here and advocate strongly that people should dismiss stereotypes. In fact, when James contacted me, in fact, the whole discussion associated with him being a Jehovah's Witness, but also various points in the Stone Ape recording where he thought that our general discussion was necessarily being dismissive of certain beliefs or certain yeah. views that he had. Yeah. I mean, I've not actually responded to any of those typically because I'm at work when he's contacting me, but mainly because yeah. I dismiss stereotypes. My perspective associated with stereotypes, and I've done this with my spiritual advisor associated with driving stereotypes, is that you can find any attribute, and once you focus on that attribute, you can attribute it to the bad drivers you say it's fine. Yes, of course. You. You, yes. But, that, but once you're aware of that process, that's a, you're in a you're in a different game again. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I say stereotypes are just what they are. They're generalizations that are extant in the uh, noosphere, and there's some validity to many, probably most of them. There's some validity. Some, I mean, they, that may vary. Well, again, the whole idea is, is, is just such a, it's an abstract domain of linguistics. You mm. know. There's a documentary associated with bulletin board systems that I've watched once in its entirety and went back and watched partially. It's like seven or eight separate recordings associated with various things, typically going from half an hour to an hour. And last Saturday last week, I was exhausted from WWDC plus some additional stuff with my spiritual advisor. 
sitting on the couch Saturday watching one of these documentaries with the air conditioner on, just trying to be in some <laughs> kind of mental state to deal with, uh, you know, the, the week approaching. When the doorbell rang and two Jehovah's Witnesses appeared and showed me the watchtower and said, actually, this is a magazine associated with your good health and it has various health tips in it. And I said, turn it over to the cool. back. What does it say on the back? And they said, Jehovah's Witness. And I said, look, just when you approach me, in fact, when you approach anyone in this neighborhood, come with a certain degree of truth. And that's probably a good starting point associated with what you're doing. But don't come here and try to say you're here for my good health when you're just trying to, you know, push a magazine well, on but, me. But, well, well, no, yeah. what they're operating is in a di different epistemological system. Clearly. And, but I was trying to address that by yeah. pointing out my epistemological system and said, if you want to have some success with this, maybe a little honesty in terms of what you're actually doing might be a starting point for this. And I realized actually that, I mean, this is typically the joviality that I show these folk when they turn up. And it's not just Jehovah's Witnesses. There are a variety. I mean, there's... You think that, uh, think of that as jovial. I was smiling. I was polite. I didn't <laughs> tell them where to go and slam the door in their face. No, 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 no. Okay. No, it, it's, uh, well, I, it's an approach. You, are you aware? You are aware that, that the interpretation and the intentions are two entirely different things. Without question. And I think actually, <laughs> okay. as I get older, people perceive me. I mean, even people that I work with and my spiritual advisor on occasion, to be hostile when I'm not in, in any way being hostile. I well, think that's just my sense is thing. It, it, it may be a level that, of hostility that you're not even aware of in yourself. I don't smile as much as I used to. I mean, I think, <laughs> no, I mean, that's the starting point. The starting point is historically really? I would smile and say certain things, and now I just say certain things. And now people, <laughs> oh, that's not going to. Yeah. Well, of course, the quality and the, and the, the, very sharp definitions of words uh, mm. can be turned in many very oh, subtle ways, yeah. as you yeah. well know. Yeah. <laughs> and as most people don't well know. Yes. I mean, this is why I avoid email <laughs> correspondence now. I seem to avoid almost all communication that isn't very direct and associated with, you know, things that are in domains where people won't get offended. <laughs> big, I mean, I've got a few topics along those lines coming up. But no, I mean, my perspective is compared to slamming the door in their face. Oh, well, yeah. Well, but that's, yeah. to me, that's just honest. You say, hey, listen, I'm busy. Goodbye. Slam the door. Yeah. You know, and that's just a, a good, honest response. I just wanted to illustrate to the fact yeah. that if they come, if well, they came well, to my door with deceptive practices and I can immediately identify that their practices are deceptive. The thing that but I you already knew that before you even opened the door. Well, yes, but I mean, my perspective <laughs> is actually that what I'm trying to do is provide them with a bit of advice that maybe the slimy tactics that they're using might, you know, whereas if... Oh, but see, but yeah. you're assuming their tactics are slimy. You're the one who put that on. I doubt very seriously if they think they're being well, slimy. Well, that's why I wanted to illustrate to them that their tactics no, I, I know, are not but, forthright. Yeah, well... <laughs> yes, and and yours always are, I suppose. No, not at all. But the, the nature of these interactions is, I was sitting on the couch watching television. Well, yeah, they're, they're an interruption in my life, and they yeah. better have something good, <laughs> or at least, I mean, if they come and said, "We're Jehovah's Witnesses. We're here to talk to you about this magazine," I might have actually had some conversation with them. Really? They come in that interaction. No, they want to. They want to save your soul. They're not interested in in anything else, really. You know, I mean, they understand yeah. very well yeah. that most people 
don't want to. I mean, they go, they go into that all day long, man. Yeah. They're masters of that. <laughs> so uh, my well, anyway, yeah, I haven't had that problem in years. Clearly, because you don't have a front door. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's disappeared. Uh, but I and but I don't recall it happening that many times in my life. We're I mean, it's in an area that is interpreted as being a place where there is a lot of people that need saving. And what I find typically, uh, what I found oh, in the first okay. year of living here was that we were continuously, like, you know, once or twice yeah. a weekend, had these folk who only spoke Spanish coming around trying to sell some kind of internet Bible study. And every time they rang the door and I said politely, I'm sorry, I don't speak Spanish and I'm not interested in your services. And the majority of the street no longer speaks Spanish. And you, by traveling through this area, you're based on a historical assumption, which is no longer the case. Actually, people are buying yeah. these houses that speak English, and they're probably not interested in the services that you're trying to sell. After I'd said that about 20 times, I started having epistemic debates associated with purposefulness <laughs> and started talking about the fact that they weren't doing anything for the neighborhood. So How they much came around, time did you devote to their salvation? Uh, my perspective is uh, in the well, between one and five minutes, typically. Each time, though. Yes, this, this, each and time. this just said this has happened yeah. 20 times? No, by the time I got to this point, 20 had cycled around. It probably happened maybe 30 or 40 times. <laughs> Shit. Over how long a period? Over the first year that we lived here. Oh, and now okay. I think they've gotten the message, slowly but surely. Interesting. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's good. You did good work. <laughs> I feel that way because I'm not pestered so much, and unfortunately the poor Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses that come round didn't learn from, you know, the Spanish-speaking whatever, Bible studies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They don't speak Spanish. How, exactly. how, could they, <laughs> yeah. how could they get the message that they don't speak Spanish? Well, yes, anyway. <laughs> I mean, this week we had a homeless person who was immediately identified as soon as I put the video online by someone in the community as coming from a particular homeless encampment sit on our doorstep for half an hour looking for yeah, a yeah, and yeah, yeah. You need a, a fence around that area. That's exactly the general consensus for all concerned. Yeah. We're having our bathroom repaired enough. Maybe a 10-foot brick wall, well, you know, so you can't thing. even see outside. And then you could, uh, you know, pa have paintings, you know, yes. of trees well, and like shit on the wall. I could actually yeah. just, like, have trees and shit up. Yeah, yeah, you could do any. Yeah, it'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. Ten feet's plenty high. Yeah, and, got and, and glass bottles, broken glass bottles, cemented to the top. Yeah, and you're you got yourself a garden, man. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so yes, always curious in the neighborhood. I went out in the neighborhood today and intentionally didn't wear my Apple Watch. I was wearing short. <laughs> no, probably a thought, smart idea. <laughs> I thought, screw this. I'll leave the Apple Watch at home. I know I'm exercising. I don't need to record this. <laughs> Do you have another topic, Aaron? Oh, yeah. I got a couple, actually. Okay. Uh, just a, a, a hint. I, I don't even want, remember much about the movie, but I, I found it very enjoyable mm -hmm. while I was watching it called Frequencies. Okay. And um, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll see if just, it falls in, putting my, it out there. <laughs> in my ether. It was funny, actually, because after we talked about that film from the Early seventies with pornograph with the kind of fringe almost oh, pornographic yeah. films. The, the, the was it the telephone, telephone. book? Yeah, or the right. telephone. Yeah. yeah, we actually had people go out and find it and available online. I didn't actually watch it myself, but yeah. uh, 
I haven't days. watched it either, but I have it now. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was, it was just so, such a surprise to find it because that was always this sort of mythical thing. I think I'd talked about it before, didn't I? Mm, yeah, no, that's how, the, that's how the listeners found it. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> and there it put was. it out in the ether, and people will find Actually, it. Actually, I things. skipped through it a little bit mm, just to, to confirm it was the same movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it is. Uh, although I I, I I didn't find the uh, the animated part, I, I, so I guess it was mm. shorter. It seemed like it ran on and on and on, but mm. it probably wasn't that long. It was just. Yeah. Very intense. So one of our recent recordings, I talked about the Wittgenstein movie, which actually didn't have music by Philip Glass, but did have kind of Philip Glass-esque music in it. And there is a movie which is basically Wittgenstein acted and, you know, various characters and Wittgenstein narrative. So that is a real thing. I recommend actually you look it up if you get the chance. Look at what? It's called Wittgenstein. It's easy Uh to remember. Yeah. It's a film that came out in the (laughs) mid-90s. Okay, it's a film. Okay, Because we talked about uh, Wittgenstein being like scat jazz when it was being read out loud, and you said you're making it up, and I said, no, there's a film where it happens. So <laughs> it's out there. That's cool. That's cool. All right, that's, uh, in fact, you know, if I don't write shit down, it don't happen. Uh, you see, I, I keep a Google note, or whatever, a Google document associated with topics now, which means I can put it on my cell phone and my laptops yeah, and yeah. in general places I can scribble down. Well, I can I can do the topics. same thing basically. I, it's yeah. uh, I've just got it as uh, a pages mm. uh, document in yes. that I, I, I can open anywhere. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So another uh, actually there are a couple. Uh, okay, so let me cross that off. One uh, I'll skip that one for now. Uh, no, that's probably a good one, Heron. No, it's it? no, it, it's not. This one's more interesting. Okay. Well, actually, compared to this one, you may not like. Anyway, uh, I've uh, decided that I am actually going to go back and edit all, all of my audio recordings, going back to my old walk and talks in two thousand and three. <laughs> well, good luck with that, Heron. Well, I've already started, and how and far I, are you into it? Um, I've done like 150, uh, well, of course, I started with the oldest stuff. I want to get that done. Um, and that's actually, there's, there's more there than I thought. I didn't realize there was that much of that stuff. And basically that was, uh, talking into a handheld when I used to walk every night as part of my meditation exercise stuff. Mm. And, um, how, so how I, long is each audio recording typically? Oh, uh, they go anywhere from 30 seconds to, uh, 10, well, not 10 minutes, maybe, maybe seven minutes or something mm. like that. They're all, they're, yeah, they're just, when I'm walking, I'd get these ideas and I just would, I, so, so, you know, pocket recording became possible, mm. you know, very easily. Uh, so I just started uh, recording what the shit was going through my head. And some of it, well, you know, I, I'm throwing a lot of it out, but actually I'm surprised at, at how, Good, some of it is, you know. So, will you put it online in podcast form, or how? Are you well, see, that's what I want out? to talk about. See, okay. uh, I mean, this this is probably going to take two years to complete, at least. So this, this is, is much- just of your. This is just of your personal audio recordings versus your conversations with people. No, no, no. Well, no, I'm talking about all of it. I'm just saying I'm starting with this. So you have 800 recordings, which average roughly 50 minutes each. Yeah. Um, a good deal of uh, 
well, see, I say what I'm starting with is just a tiny part of the whole thing. This this whole part here is about four gigs worth, and then there's a, a much smaller section, which is. Do you remember Gizmo? Have you ever heard of Gizmo? Mm, well, we talked about that movie Gremlins, and you actually watched it. So moving on from that, no, no, no. Gizmo was around before before Skype showed up. Mm-hmm. It, um, what kind of phone technology? Oh yes, something. yes. Yes. Anyway, it, there, there. It was the beginning of the idea of having meeting rooms where lots of people could get mm. to get talk, and and it was it was a Skype alternative, mm. for, but it did things that Skype couldn't do, and one of them was uh, the ability to, to uh, have a lot of people in a place and and play in that space. There was no control, mm-hmm. but but a strong personality. You know, or or a troll, <laughs> you know, or a spam. Anyway, it, it was possible to sort of take control of it mm. and and play with it. <laughs> and I and I've got a bunch of recordings of attempting to do that. And uh, I, I haven't listened to those, so I, I'm really not quite sure whether. Mm. Any, well, I'm gonna, it's, I'm just going to make it all available anyway. So, but it'll be organized, and and, and that's the thing is I, what I need to, to sort of think about because it. There's that section, and then there's everything else, which is something like 50 gigs worth, which mm-hmm. is the vast majority of the work, which are basically uh, Skype cast. It's starting in 2006. It, so it, this doesn't go into the Gendo podcast, or this includes the Gendo podcast? Well, well the Gendo podcast, uh, you know, th- that started late. This is the beginnings of Okay, that. so this is all pre-Gendo podcast. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's a huge amount of it. I mean, yeah. it's like four times, well, like I said, there's probably 2,000 files that are averaging half hour to an hour. And some of three hours, but not many, hopefully. It's interesting associated just with raw audio and even edited audio and, like, listener expectation. I know sometime, I don't know, I, I think it was probably the week I was at WWDC, you contacted me and asked if we could talk about the formatting of audio. And I think it's an important About point. organizing, yeah, th- these files, yeah. Well, it's not just about organization. It's about considering the listener when you edit the audio. I mean, even you can't really consider the listener when you create the audio because you create the audio without potentially thinking about the listener consciously. Listen, but, I, I'm not worried about your standards of audio quality. Well, that's not my, what I'm concerned about here. I mean, I guess my perspective is, what kind of listener do you want for this audio? It doesn't make any difference what I want. <laughs> you know, uh, it'll attract whatever it attracts. Well, okay, so... You know, and I have, you know, my hopes that it'll be... Well, that. Uh, see, I don't know who it's going to attract. That's exactly the point. I mm-hmm. really don't have any generalizations on them. The people I've met, mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't say off the top of my head, oh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I don't know who, uh, whoever thing, responds I mean, to this. Not to be flippant, I mean, the thing yeah. about Stone Ape is that it is, although there's a considerable amount of free freedom through this form associated with the ability of basically talking about any kind of random stuff out there, there's still, I think, a form that you and I have come to oh. some kind of implicit agreement based on. Oh, sure. And okay. the listeners to like... this, which we're going to talk about, I mean, later in the, the yeah. chat associated with, you know, what listeners to Stone Ape mean. Yeah. You know, I think <laughs> y- you have to, I mean, you may not consider the listener, and 
But I mean, even Gen- even the Gendo podcast. But I am considering the listener. Okay. It's just that I don't know who the listener is. So mm. really, the only person I can consider is my estimation of, of how to do this. Mm. I, I, I don't know where else. Th- there is no other recourse. You know, but but uh, once I have, uh, and I'm assuming that as I go through this process, because this is going to take two years. Mm. <laughs> you, know? well, you don't have any time frame. You're estimating it'll take two years yeah, based yeah. on your current productivity. I'm yeah. assuming. It, it yeah, I have no idea really. I mean, it could take it could take longer. It might go faster. I don't mm. know. But uh, anyway, well, I forgot where I was. <laughs> Well, no, we were talking about, about the format of the audio and what the format yeah. of the audio is in terms of... Well, what do you of, mean by format of the audio? So I recorded, in 2006, I recorded my walk to and from work. and recorded the audio from that. I released it briefly in podcast form. And over this period of time, various curious things happened while I was walking to and from work. So it was kind <laughs> oh, of yeah, interesting that's in that. Neat. Yeah. case. Yeah. However, listening back to the audio and um, our former potential current, who knows, listener Gerald yeah. Jung, for a period of time recorded a walking podcast where he yeah. would walk in with a stereo mic so he'd get all the bird sounds and stuff yeah. as he walked and all this kind of stuff. My perspective is that that's a relatively esoteric format. It does translate to some listeners. Listen, I don't care. See, yeah. the things I don't care. I'm just documenting my own thing here Mm. that's my purpose i assume there will be some small percentage of people maybe archaeologists Mm. in the future who knows Mm. you know who will find some value in it some of it like this walk and talk stuff you're right the audio sounds bad and i'll probably run it through level later but beyond that unless you want to come over and do it for me, uh, they're going to go out that way. There's windy uh, things. I mean, you know, they're awful by any standards, but they're still easily understandable. Mm. You know, there's mm. no, it's not like it's drowning out my voice or anything. It, it's just, it's there. You can hear it. Yes. And, uh, you know, and for, that's what it is, though. It's called walk and talk. Mm. <laughs> so, but that's just a small segment. Like I say, that's of the whole archive. I mean, that's like probably less than 5%. Mm. It's mostly the sort of format. Well, you know, well, it's the whole evolution of the format of, uh, of the forming of what you're now, what has become the Gendo podcast. Mm. But see, that, that didn't get started until after Skype cast was Certainly. done. Certainly. So, so uh, but, but that was where it came from, and that, and I was just a continuation of what I had developed mm. before that. So, so really, it's the whole history of that stuff, and I, then the gizmo stuff is yeah. another another little side thing. Yeah, yeah, it's so, an interesting. I mean, it, certainly, I've gone through various ruminations associated with well documented failures. Like I've had certain things that I've done. I mean, the Biota podcast, for example, and reality podcast and these kind of things where i think they had certain sustenance through the period of time but they're not in the state that you know our discussions are here for example and they're not on uh, listen may i throw in a a quote from somebody i think it was alan watts who Mm -hmm. said uh, a mozart symphony isn't a failure because it came to an end no, I, I agree. I guess my perspective is that certain things have their time as well. And I've found personally it to be slightly, well, a folly. And I found this periodically through my, you know, 
after hours working. What What's a folly? A folly in terms of returning to the past with a view that there is some hidden truth in the past oh, that yeah. needs devoted time, devoted energy. Well, wait a minute. Did I that- suggest something like that about what I'm doing, or is this something you're bringing to this here new? Well, I'm, you kind of are hinting at that, and I'm trying no, to I actually excavate. No, I not at all, in my mind, so that's why I'm curious. Okay, well, let's, let, me, let me re-say things that you have said, yeah. perhaps to emphasize what I'm hearing in this slide. Okay. There are a group of people, unknown people, but people who you believe sometime in the future may listen to this audio that you're working on currently in order to get some form of insight. Uh, wait a minute, say that again? You are editing audio currently to yeah. put out for the purpose that maybe there might be some people in the future who may get something from this no, audio. Uh, the future. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. Or maybe uh, even as soon as you release well, it. Well, yeah, the, yes. that, the sooner the better. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, well, see, to me, it's just much simpler that that, that intention is there. It's just, um, you know, when I scanned my, uh, well, my journal notes, you know, mm. it was just something I felt I needed to do to get that out there, mm. document it and put it out, period. Yeah. Uh and if something comes of it, cool. <laughs> you know, I don't, I really don't care. It's there. It's a document. Yes. And, and that's what I see all this stuff as. In terms of what you could distill from the information presented in this audio, what insights have you found in the time that you have edited it? Can you summarize it into, I don't know, five minutes? Oh, it's the same old ideas? shit I'm always talking about. So what is particularly important about putting this out? For me to document this whole process, and my language certainly wasn't the same in 2006. Yeah, some of it is, mm-hmm. much of it is, but uh, you can see. Uh, well, I haven't been through it, so I don't know. But but I, I know that that's this is true over time. Is that at least in my process, is my language changes as my understanding of what it is I'm trying to understand changes. Yes. And, um, and that's a process that you can observe, I think. Well, I don't know. It's just a, a, a hypothesis, maybe. But again, my, it's just, it's, it's not important, I guess. I don't, it's not important to anybody but me. And, and, and I hope, of course, that it would be useful to somebody. But that's, uh, that's just icing on the cake. And I, and I have had good response about a lot of the ideas that I talk about. So Certainly. I'm assuming there are some people out there who will find this stuff fascinating. <laughs> Just like, who are the people that listen to the Stone Ape? Well, the people that Fuck, listen to they're, Stone they're all crazy. They must be. <laughs> but I guess what they get in Stone Ape is some interactable, maybe not evolving, but at least occasional points of punctuated equilibrium through the discussion. Ah, well, yeah, because it's... Well, again, I, I think we need to make a real big distinction between these first recordings that I'm talking about, which are just monologues on mm-hmm. my part, and everything else, I mean, especially after Gizmo, everything else is basically what you and I do. Certainly. It's just me talking with people, and, you know, usually with one person for, I mean, if I talk to them at all, because yeah. I would, you know, I... I was really an asshole in the beginning. And I was telling people to write me something interesting if they want to talk. So <laughs> I, what's I, the purpose of documenting that audio for a broader audience? I mean, there are certain things that does one there can have do. to be the purpose? Well, couldn't I have 72 different possible reasons you've, for you've having given, you've given you've given a couple. Yeah. And the couple seem to be I guess I guess when I last talked to you 
and probably over the past few months when we've talked. You've talked very strongly associated with meeting people currently, but the efforts that you need to put into meeting people currently. And while it's important to go back occasionally and review interesting, like, previous things, uh-huh. I would think that the tasks that you are, or the tasks that you have The thing is, I have the time. I've, I, I've got all the time in the world. I am not time constrained in the least. See, that's, yeah, you don't understand that because you're, yeah, I, if, if you were trying to do what I'm trying to do, it would be, well, it'd be a very different process. But I have no time. I've got, I can easily give a couple hours a day to this. Certainly, but we've discussed things that, I mean, I guess, I guess what I'm looking for in our discussions is not necessarily commitment, but at least a sense of moving towards like gaining an audience in some regard, not an experimental audience, but actually a demonstrable audience that comes through your ideas. That would, well. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. certainly what we've been talking about for, you know, at least the last three or four well, months. Well, but, but Stone Ape isn't Gendo. I'm not talking about Stone Ape. I'm talking about Gendo. I'm talking about your movement to meetups, your ideas associated yeah. with outreach to, you know, young folk yeah. and educators. Yeah, and all, all, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Right. And I, and this is something that I see in myself, and you've noted that very well, that I can't be attributing things that I see in myself to you, but I certainly find myself periodically looking back and thinking about things that have occurred in the past with the view that there might be, not necessarily secrets, but there might be things that I've missed in my present day, and by exploring the past and documenting it and presenting it in a form that, you know, contemporary Mm. folk can absorb it, that they might be able to pick up, very similar to the narrative that you've given me. I've just found in my own experience this always to be a folly, and in particular... When, you know, tasks are kind of generated, ideas are formed, momentum is moving in a particular direction, sitting down and returning to these things that, you know, for whatever reason, weren't explicitly important at the time that they occurred or didn't, you know, have the mechanisms to be documented. I I just feel those kind of things in general, in my own experience, Mm. are not particularly productive. And certainly when I see this in the External I'm not world. being particularly productive right now anyway. I don't this is, argue with you. This is way, well, like I said, I've been on sabbatical fuck productivity. I don't really give a shit about that right now. <laughs> you know? Really? I, really. Yeah, I don't. Really? Yeah. Because I don't, it's not, it's, not a, it's not clear enough yet for me, I don't have the blueprint to run the program. Mm. You know? Until I have that blueprint, uh, the, the program isn't going to run. Do you think you had that blueprint sometime in the past? I mean, let's talk the distance. No, well, I thought I've had it before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, this is my point, I guess. I mean, certainly, I mean, when you, when you in the, you know, early uh, no, to mid-80s. No, actually, no, that's true. I, I, I liked, I would have, I, yeah. I liked the idea of having, of thinking that I had found something. Certainly. I mean, that's, that's know. the journals through the early 1980s. Yeah. I mean, demonstrably in the early 1980s, lists and ideas and, Oh yeah, Topics it was, it was a great formulated. fun. Yes. Again, it was all a bunch of uh well, again, that was a guy well, yeah, it all has to be seen in in the whole large perspective, you know. Mm. Yeah, that was part of the the of who I went through being for a while. Mm. You know? Yeah. 
that was an interesting, that was a fun period, actually. Mm. A lot of, met a lot of really interesting people. Uh, yeah, and got laid a lot. <laughs> it was great. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, when I read your journal, so I'm probably, I mean, I suspect you're probably I'm, the only one who ever will. <laughs> yes. But when I read your journals, in particular through that section of time, I was very mindful of, and you had introduced your journals to me in describing the fact that your son had, um, you'd given your son the journals. Yeah. And that was the period of time where he was born, I guess. That well, it, it's in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really that much in there, though. No, the, the yeah, that, it's surprising to me because I went back and looked yeah. at, uh, through that stuff and thought it didn't have much impact on the way I was thinking about the world. Yes. And it didn't, right. That was that was why it was really such, you know, people talk about the birth of their first child being this great awakening. Yes. Well, it was for me, too. <laughs> but it was not the awakening that most people thought I was supposed to be getting. Yes. <laughs> it got real clear to me where my priorities were. Yeah. No, I read it very much in light of the idea that, um, I mean, your son's a little bit younger than me by probably, I don't know, six odd years. But I thought if, if this document was presented to me as your son, it's a very striking document in that light. In that there's nothing about. Yes. And yeah. Well, it's not about him. It's about what's going on in my head. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. But right. Returning, returning to this about. period of time, which I find fascinating because this is the emergence of, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to get Freudian in terms of going back through the journals because there's a but. bunch of stuff in there, but <laughs> this is like some emergence of like the ego in terms of your perspective of your, not necessarily proselytizing, but basically you're going out into the world and, and being a teacher, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's interesting because it's something in your personality that we return to periodically, but you're now not necessarily timid, but you're not like, you know, you're not quite, you've, you're saying that you're missing certain parts, but it's interesting, a slightly more brash and, you know, two, three decades younger hair and stone didn't have the same view associated with missing parts. It was all very no. organized and all very laid out. And I'm just wondering yeah, what, yeah. what has changed in terms of your... Well, actually, was the, the, that was the facade I was putting on. Mm. It wasn't well, at all. in the journals. Yeah. Well, I mean, to myself, to the world, and, mm. and to the journal. The journal is just a reflection of who I was at that time, you know, and the way yes. I wanted to be seen by myself. Yes. So... You know, I don't. I have no explanation for any anything, and no apologies. Well, maybe some apologies, but certainly no justifications <laughs> certainly. Uh, for anything that's in those journals or in, the, in these audio files. They're just uh, what happened. Yes, I'm not even sure. I mean, in your correspondence through the period of time that I was in San Francisco, it appears that you were coming to me maybe as a sounding board, but maybe to get some advice associated well, with the audience. Well, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I started, when I started it, I realized that this, you know, I mean, I, I knew it was going to be a big job, but I didn't know just what. So, I mean, it was good to get it organized into three piles, mm. you know, unfortunately, pile number three is 95% of the whole thing. So I'll start with the two small ones. Yes. And, uh, and then, and, and I can probably do that in a month or so. I mean, cause there, there's just not that much to them. Yes. But uh, but then that means getting into um, the stuff that I'm actually going to have to listen to all the way through. I mean, again, these were all short, 
30 seconds, mm. uh, two minutes at the most. And often I could see right away that it was not something that, that I was going to keep. Yeah. So this, that is so far it's gone pretty quickly, but when I get to this longer stuff, it's going to be <laughs> more problematic, but it's just about organizing it. I'm just thinking aside from that, I mean, like, ah, you know, it's just those three piles. There's two small ones and the big one. I guess that one could just go chronologically, couldn't it? Because that's pretty much what it is. So I've thought about this in a couple of different ways with my own audio. And I actually, particularly if it's time disconnected, which this audio is, could you start generating it around topics? Like you can have some – Well, that's what the, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I can use yeah. meta tags here and start – well, I've already done do that. Meta tags. Here's, here's, let me put yeah. this to you and see what yeah. you think. Narrated audio, where you give an introduction, you give the segment of audio, you give a follow-on, you give another segment of audio. If these things are, you know, 30 seconds to eight minutes, you can actually give some narrative associated with your change of thinking or your ah. projection of thinking ah. and – I guess my view well, is... Listen, first I've got to get the fucking audio prepared. You know, then we can talk about... Well, go on. You know, well, I'll, anyway, I mean, my yeah. perspective is as you go through this audio, if you collate it in, I don't know, directories or meta tags... Well, I'm or putting them in, in the folders right yeah. now by various topics, or, and I'm, or I'm naming the file yeah. by something that helps me know what's in there. So, yeah, yeah that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. Well, and especially... Well, but is it... Well, of course, you could do it both ways. I mean, there's no reason why. Yeah, of course, it you can dump be. it in one feed one way and you could dump it collated. I guess yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. point associated with collation is this. If you want to tease any kind of coherence out of a listener, and th what I'm saying here is ideally you would have a circumstance where someone would come to it, listen to a random bit of it, and then go back and listen to large sections of it. <laughs> and, yeah, and it, yeah. and if that's the, the case, then obviously it's the content that's going to do it, not the intro or any other damn thing. Well, but if they listen to thirty yeah. seconds of something and and think that's cool, then something in that idea resonated with them. And I'm not sure we can, that's a marketing issue. It may be just whether certain ideas, if they're spoken clearly enough, uh, that a certain number of people will respond. Maybe not articulately, <laughs> yeah. but but uh, will respond to that. Yeah. Well, to be continued, no doubt, Aaron. Well, uh, so actually, I, you know, well, it's clear actually right now that to me, now, this is good. You solved my problem because I know what I'm going to do. So <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I have done WWDC as a potential topic and a week in San Francisco. These are topics which I've not really covered coherently in short funk, but I kind of, I tried to record a short funk following our failed attempt to record last Friday. Um, my wife has been having various cognitive issues, uh, primarily vertigo, and it's kind of come up periodically. And while I was away, she had a particularly bad attack. So I came back. With the hope I mean, that is, I, is that, I mean, we're talking about dizziness, basically? Is that We're, we're talking or, about an inability, actually, to move, because when she moves her head at all, it's just like everything goes swimming yeah, yeah, and yeah. the world falls out from under her. Yeah, I, I've had experienced that yes. for uh, a short time. Not, not fun. So I returned from San Francisco with the hope, with the amount of energy that I'd stored, that we'd be able to record last Friday, but then coming back and then having to go to a specialist, and it was a particularly hot day, and everything kind of fell out from under me, so I just didn't have the energy to record on Friday. 
But going back to these, I mean, how interested are you in hearing about WWDC? Not particularly, unless there's some something in particular that you think I might find interesting. I'm actually probably more talking to the listeners here. I find it, I mean, this was my third time at WWDC, and the thing that struck me through it was... Well, then, at for Apple, we're talking about, for those listeners who don't know what that means. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. The Worldwide Developers Conference. Yes. What it looks like it's a lot of fun. Well, it's interesting, actually. The playlist, the things you don't know about WWDC is the same five songs are played between <laughs> the various talks. Oh, really? And I did every single year? This been, yes. been the same five songs? Yeah, I think it's a tradition added, now. I think they've added one and pulled one. And last year they had a Dr. Probably Dre. Steve uh, chose that music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, actually. I've, I've, I found the five songs. Yeah, uh, and a couple of them actually came back to me after the event. I was literally woken up from my dream space with the sound playing in my head, thinking you've got to write this one down. Yeah. So the five songs are "Eleven Fifty Nine" by Michael Frentan Spearhead, "Alligator Sky" by Owl City, "The Distance" by Cake, "If I Had a Million Dollars" by Bare Naked Ladies, and "Pompeii" by Bastille. The latter one, I think. Wait a minute! I've never to. heard of any of those people. You've never heard of Cake? Nope. You, you might I've, have, yeah. I've seen it uh, mm-hmm. somewhere. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, when you said that, uh, some, I went, yeah, I've seen that. How about the Bare Naked Ladies? The Bare Naked Ladies <laughs> I, I've, oh, I've heard, of, I've heard yeah. of, yeah, I bet, yeah. I mean, I couldn't identify them or, you know. <laughs> yeah. anyway. If the police asked me, have you seen the Bare Naked Ladies? I'd say, no, I have no idea. Yes. Well, it's curious to me that, that coherently, I mean, so much money is spent on this event and yet the playlist is so short. And such shit. Why don't? Why, why not? You know, uh, Haydn trio. Uh, look, I'd be. I'm a strong advocate for WWDC moving exclusively to. Uh, you see, these are all alternative and in inverted commas bands, which means that they sold twenty million instead of fifty million. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a very curious playlist, and I do. Think- well, yeah, well, they should be getting guys who've sold ten thousand. <laughs> well, I tried to do that this year, and it was pretty appalling. And there was a reason why yeah. they only it, sold I'm not sure 10, if you 000. watched the thing, but there was a fellow called The Weekend who played at the end, and it was unbelievably deafening. They'd gotten the audio completely... I mean, it was pretty well amateur hour this year. It was just very <laughs> curious the way the speakers clearly were unprepared. I mean, it's like they had like a bunch of stuff that... You know, it was just kind of thrown together in the, which kind of was the case not last year, but the year before when they had iOS 7. And, you know, the engineers worked through the summer in order to present iOS. In fact, that was midway through the summer when they did WWDC with just the iPhone. Or was it the iPad? I think it was just the, anyway, it was just, it was one of the two because they didn't have the other one ready. Very curious. And I don't know, I don't think That's I'm a market- time pressure business. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to imagine what. Yeah, what they must go through. The there. statistic which is very <laughs> real is the fact that I think for the past couple of years, but this year in particular, eighty percent of the attendees were new attendees. They'd never attended one previously. Yeah, and I kind of got the sense that I'm not really the audience for WWDC anymore. It's really, I mean, I guess they've always been slightly introductory. It's a business. They want, yeah, um, yeah they, they want to get the biggest audience they can get. Yeah, but. Uh, Oh, I don't really have... I've recorded a short funk associated with Gameplay Kit, which was certainly, I think, the most interesting thing from my perspective that came out of WWDC. Yeah. Gameplay Kit is just their AI 
engine in order to make game creators create more interesting games, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, from my perspective, is a problem that I've been looking to solve for roughly 12-odd years through you know various forms, and obviously Noble Eight being the, the yeah. main one of this. Uh, but yeah... Lots of kind of, you know, incidental things, but it didn't really have the... The first two years seemed to have more grit to it than this year. Well, it's a new era, you know? Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's, it is. It's not, it's not the old Apple anymore. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's got some good things about it still, and it's yeah. still best thing around that I can see, at least <laughs> for my computer-buying dollar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm just looking for that 8K monitor. Mm. <laughs> because, yeah, I'm the kind of person that Apple loves. You know? But just, I think in iOS 9, there was kind of an indication, at least a nod to the fact the iPad, the high-end, newest iPads at least, yeah. are where computing's headed. Well, it's it certainly has been that way in my life. Mm. That's been my experience. Yeah. You know, but but also, well, again, I think, you know, Steve's analogy before about trucks and sedans, you know, not everybody's needs to be a truck driver. You know, I mean, if you're hauling a bunch of heavy shit, then you probably need to get a big truck. You know? Yes. Uh, rest of the time, you can ride, ride a motorcycle. So uh, I I can't imagine not having my desktop machine, but. Uh, you know, I, a lot of times I'm here, I'm just using the iPad. Certainly. Certainly. Prior to going to WWDC, you and I had had a discussion about podcast numbers. And I'm not sure what actually motivated that discussion, aside from the fact that you contacted me and said, can we have a chat about podcast numbers? And then I kind of dug up the unique IP addresses for... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And when you said numbers, I was thinking about the numbering on the... Why are we no, talking no, about no, the no, numbering no, no, no. on like the, the number, of, the yeah, number the, of yeah, yeah, I got the population yes. of listeners. Yes, yes I got you. Which, <laughs> which kind of forced me because I thought this is genuinely interesting to actually create a graph of the unique IP addresses, I think, over the past year, if anything, to yeah. try and understand what had occurred and why. Yeah. Like, you know, is there a pattern? I think we have a... We have a growing number of listeners, but also a cyclical pattern in listeners that we've talked about yeah. periodically. We had a fellow called Gabriel that we spoke to, or I spoke to, and I think you might have spoken to. Actually, yeah. you did, because we both had yeah. audio. I'm yeah. not clear if he's still a listener. I mean, yeah, I, maybe he got what he needed yeah. to get, and he got. Yeah, I think there's a pattern, <laughs> actually, in those numbers which show that trajectory. Like, I mean, in, yeah. in a kind of level form, we're certainly gaining listeners at an alarming rate, but there's a lot of, like, fluctuation through yeah. the year. Well, that seems reasonable. It's, I think the important thing is that you got new people coming in. Even if they come and go, fine. That's that, that's most of them are going to go. Is, yes, would seem to me. Yeah. The the, the trick the, the, is to get them in there to listen in the first place. Yeah. What's being played? Like I say, they'll either respond to it or they won't. I know there there are listeners to Short Funk that don't listen to Stone Eight because they've contacted me and identified that. And but how? Are they? How do they know you to begin with? Oh, oh, a number of different ways. Uh, one, well, a number of different ways. I mean, I I can list them, but I well, no, I was just curious. Kind of identified some of them have at least asked to remain anonymous based on the way that we pull listeners out and, uh, <laughs> and thrash them, thrash them around, and then throw them back to the wolves. Exactly. Yeah. Grading questions. Yeah. Well, at least these people don't listen to to Stone Ape. So maybe I should out them. But the thing that caught me looking, because I then went and looked at the short funk numbers, and I'm debating in six months' time going back and doing this, 
is that I captured quite a substantial portion, and obviously not all of them are Stargate listers, but still comparable numbers in short funk within the first oh, can month. You pair, can you compare to the two lists and yes. find uh, well, the I, same? And whether, no, I can't compare the unique IP. I, I should be able to if I wrote the software to do it. But Yeah, I don't. anyway, yeah, they're bo- all that data is available, yeah. so you could see how much crossover there is. I could sample a hundred of them quite easily and get that yeah. st- those statistics relatively yeah. well. Well, whatever. Yeah, that, that might be interesting to know. Yeah. No, I could certainly do that. But it interested me that in the short funk format i captured a certain group of folk uh and actually probably gained a group of listeners that wouldn't listen to you know my other podcasts but are uh, for some yeah. reason yeah like the time the frame makes a difference yeah, yeah. and i for think some the form, people yeah. i mean certainly the feedback that i've gotten through people that do listen to stone Age and short funk is that the interruptions that clearly define stone ape as a form are something that a, a good number like and a good number don't like, and the ones that don't like it are, I guess, are you know... now listening to a, a short, the, fun. The short fun. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, and I think the explanation, the ability to kind of move through... Yeah, see, I even argue, I interrupt myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it, it was interesting to me, in parallel to this as well, has been the approach to PR people, and I was contacted through the week from another fellow who I guess wanted an introduction. In fact, it was actually the Thursday that I was in San Francisco and I wrote to him last weekend. And he's one of the folk that I contacted that are part of San Jose PR firms. I had some correspondence with the folks that stopped corresponding with me initially where they came back and said, look, in order for us to work for you, it would be about $12,000 a month, basically, and you'd be paying our salaries to work on your projects in a devoted fashion. I thought, well, that's not really what I'm asking for, so kind of moved on. But the other fellow came back who was the president of the PR firm, a different one, different PR firm, and I gave him quite an extended correspondence that identified exactly what I was looking for and broke down some of the numbers and you know gave some of the justification and also pointed to the talk that I gave actually at Netflix associated with crime-solving noble apes and you know just the diversity of ideas that I'm looking to propagate. And... I stated quite clearly there that I was looking to spend, I don't know, eight to 12,000 a year on this thing if it were to come together, and I haven't heard anything back from him either. My next step is actually to write my own press releases, Heron. I'm so not interested in, yeah. I'm not interested in spending. You're just rewriting theirs, so exactly. write yours and then rewrite it. Exactly. Put it down. <laughs> and then rewrite it again exactly. and, and, and a couple then, more yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it feels like it's worth, you know, $300 or whatever the PR, Publishing money. Well, when it feels like it publishing. says what you want it to say. Yeah, but then you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and it doesn't say what you want it to say. That's well, the problem. See, well, that's the trick then. That's yes. See, that's part of what holds me back. Yes. You know, is it's got to say, it's got to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's got to be the absolute best that I can do and good enough to release. Yes. And not much meets that standard. <laughs> yes. I went to a mobile DJ. In fact, I didn't go to the convention. I went to a kind of after party for mobile DJs in, I think, 2007, 2008, where I met a couple of YouTube mobile DJs, one from Wales and one from, I want to say, Wisconsin or somewhere like that. And it was interesting because I was meeting people who had generated, you know, hundreds of thousands of viewers and were just like regular guys that ran mobile DJ businesses. 
But at that meeting, I met a musician who, I don't know, she was just there, basically, and she befriended me on Facebook afterwards, and I followed her career since. And she hasn't really made any major moves through this period of time, although she periodically goes to DJ events. And she contacted me, I don't know, maybe a month ago. But the nature of Facebook communication was such that I thought she was volunteering to do PR for me. (laughs) <laughs> and actually, she was asking if I could recommend a PR pers- person for her. Uh, which is oh, just that what, could be an in, in, yeah. and her response to you. Well, we, we rectified this situation and then had a laugh about the nature of Facebook interactions and then went on our separate ways. But, it, yeah, it did strike me that there probably are people in my broader, and I don't know how even I would raise this with people, because, yeah, anyway, I, I think I'm probably going to be doing it for myself in the foreseeable future and, you know, working on how I can write scintillating things in the third person associated with... This is probably actually the job for a whiteboard, Heron. We have talked about the dreaded whiteboard previously. I think I'm probably in need of a whiteboard to just identify projects as they come up in the near future and release them accordingly. I was thinking about this associated with Gameplay Kit. I mean, Gameplay Kit plus Noble 8 could actually be quite an interesting project for Mm -hmm. game developers. And I thought this will take, I don't know, maybe three months of my time very occasionally and requires me to do half a dozen things with Noble 8, but it might actually be something that's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. Certainly it would be interesting to Apple as well, potentially. Well, whoever, yeah, that sounds like a a great opportunity. So, yes, I um, that's a project that would go up on the whiteboard, and there are a few other projects that I've been, you know, simmering accordingly. What do you mean by whiteboard? Well, I guess the whiteboard for me is something, and this is what I use one for at work, is something to memorialize either ideas that I need to remember or something in the future that I need to look towards. And I guess uh-huh. what I would use a whiteboard for here is to say... You know, these are half a dozen projects that I foresee undertaking sometime in the next six months. Let's start considering what the press release component would be for these projects, and let's actually link those two things together so when the project comes close to fruition, there's something that can just be sent out that can generate some additional interest other than organic growth, which really, again, per every time I say this, not to be sneezed at, but has historically been the way that I've gotten where I am today, and it's been great, but my suspicion is probably there are a multiplicity of possible other ways to, you know, improve, basically, uh, what has been going on. So, yeah, I think I can certainly keep a whiteboard in an electronic sense and use it just as effectively as a whiteboard in physical space. The benefit of a whiteboard in physical space is it actually takes up physical space. So, mm. you know, you, you hit your foot on it and things like that periodically. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's a little bit like well, I, what I use my journal for, which mm. is just a a pages mm. document, just a running yes. uh, commentary. <laughs> you know. But I don't use it much these days, really. I had my hair cut today, which is always an interesting. Which period. one? Uh, well, I go to a Vietnamese, <laughs> an old elderly Vietnamese woman. Uh, you know, when I need my hair cut, which isn't particularly frequently, but. Uh, she always gives, there's always some part of the haircut interaction that seems to turn up on Stone Ape. And today, <laughs> when I arrived, there was a rather elderly gentleman having his hair cut. Uh, and they were actually on first name terms. It was rather sweet, actually, to hear the hairdresser and the elderly man have a conversation following the haircut. 
Like he'd been in hospital and he was having trouble walking and all these kind of things. And I realized something that I periodically see, but, and always reflect upon when I see it, but don't, I don't know, embody it in any other form that in certain cultures and certainly in the Vietnamese culture, respect for the elderly is like religious, right? I mean, it's like central. And well, it, it, it was, it, it's, well, it, may have it, it is a generational thing yes. now that, that's begun to change, but yes. yeah, yeah. Well, Historic. in the, most of Asia, that's, well, most everywhere that's been true. Yeah. You know, historically, that's always been the truth. <laughs> you know, except in royal families and aristocracy and a variety of other locations when I guess, well, it's just yeah. before modern technology, yeah. the person with the longest memory had the most knowledge, mm. especially in illiterate uh, in an illiterate world. Mm. The, whoever had the memory knew more than anybody else around. Mm. Especially, you know, so who the hell who are you going to listen to? So anyway, as this elderly gentleman was having his hair cut, I looked down at the magazines that were piled on the table for me to peruse, and found a journal devoted to firefighters. It was actually written by the Firefighters Union, but more importantly, the editor was a Firefighters Union lobbyist in Washington, D.C. It was fascinating to read his thoughts associated with a variety of topics. This guy is, this is the, the, the views of the lobbyist for the fire department. No, no, of no, no, the Firefighters Union. This represents the individual the firefighters, fire not the fire. Yes. Un- I didn't even know they were unionized. Yes, they are. All across yes. everywhere in yes. the United States? Yes. Okay. Oh, really? All one union? Yes. <laughs> how, how convenient. It's amazing. No, I mean, in terms of, in terms of profession. Are there a lot of Italian names in, in the hierarchy? They were historically different? Irish. The firefighters were historically Irish, certainly on, on the east coast. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. This gentleman was absolutely fascinating. In fact, I almost felt like saying I'd really like to take this magazine home because it has so much information, so much language monkey fodder, Aaron. Oh, really? It would have created an entire Stone Age recording. Well, go back and get it. Well, I wrote notes, and thankfully, because I did it electronically, I have my electronic photograph in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't take, I didn't photograph the articles. I just wrote notes associated with it. Okay. Well, if there's good pictures, you can take pictures too. Well, the pictures wouldn't have conveyed so much as the well, ideas. You can that do were, both. Well, yeah. well yes, all I'm but, just saying yeah. is, if it comes up, yeah. just don't forget that you see. I would forget that I even have an iPhone with me, and yeah. You know, so, <laughs> in any case, one of the many things that struck me through reading this was the notion of good and bad. And actually, the institutionalized yeah. notion of good and bad. <laughs> I come to a perspective now, in particular because I'm being bombarded by a number of different entities on Facebook. You know, we're, what, a year and a bit, a year and maybe three, four months till the next presidential election in this country. <laughs> but my Facebook <laughs> oh, is God. now, like, I'm literally, I'm just going to apologize to people and do a mass unfriending, I think. I'm just interesting sick and tired. Now, see, I of, haven't seen yeah. one. Now that's curious because I haven't seen. We have mutual friends that are doing a lot of these posts, Aaron. I well, 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 you, well, all I'm saying mean, is I yeah. haven't seen anything like that. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out why. What's the difference? Why? I, is you've it, described your Facebook experience, and it seems completely alien. Yeah, to my Facebook yeah. I don't. Experience. Yeah, same when I hear you. Is I'm thinking, well, yeah. what's he talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I guess my projection of, of butterfly and caterpillar business has 
some notion of not necessarily convincing people, but at least being a strong advocate for the fact that the current stuff that we see... I've used the term melees previously. I had a listener contact me and said, do I mean melees or do I mean melee or do I mean a plural of melee, <laughs> i.e. multiple melees, when I say that? My my joy is that the plural... Everyone loves a linguistic smartass. Yeah, exactly. My, my, my thrill about using the term melees is that the plural of melee and the word melees, or malays, if I wanted to like mispronounce it in order to emphasize the point, has a beautiful kind of combination of uh, idioms that means that I, I kind of pointed out to the listener that I meant multiple melee when I said that, but I also like the notion of malays in the con. So I use the term to mean both interchangeably in any case. Yeah, and however you'd like to. It's yeah, you can interpret that exactly. in many ways. And <laughs> listeners, I would you. encourage. Yeah, I would yes. encourage. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yes. And Have if you want to correspond it. with me, please yeah. assume that I understand this linguistic distinction. Oh, no, but they're not going to. No, but that's precisely what they're not going to understand. Well, clearly, in this case, so <laughs> I think by the conclusion of it, the you're wrong. Understood <laughs> that I understood. And maybe they got a little bit more from the conversation. Who knows? In any case. <laughs> well, that's the challenge. Yes. Is to somehow. <laughs> You know, shake them awake somehow. Yes. <laughs> you know, good luck. By using terms that can be easily misinterpreted. Returning well, to, my, my sense is idea. if you can shock somebody or surprise them or almost anything is better than a logical response. Certainly. A logical response is just they immediately – it just gets locked into their own logic. Mm. You know, they'll dismiss parts of it or accept parts of it and make it fit and they'll go, yeah, well, you know, they'll say something. But it doesn't make any difference. Returning to a point. The political system as it exists currently is a problem, if not the problem associated <laughs> with a variety of issues. And the thing that strikes me... It's actually it's a symptom of an true. underlying it's, 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 process. Yes, yes. Yes. I don't view a politician as being the solution to anything. And I guess my concern is... Facebook, as it is an instrument now of people picking their favorite politicians. It, it has ever been so. Yes, exactly. But yeah. increasingly, it's even more satirical, <laughs> particularly as the two political parties are so tightly entwined that out of 400 different possibilities, they find themselves in the same square. Return to the discussion <laughs> of the earlier. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, and my view is the... the <laughs> The folks yeah. that appear to be saying what you like are just going to flow into that square very rapidly when they have any meaningful <laughs> political power. And the fact that they've been institutionalized within this degree of political corruption for good portions of their lives seems to indicate that they have even less to be trusted about in any case. Well, so, that's what I'm saying is that this yeah. whole, the whole thing is a farce and, exactly. and to, to worry about Again, again, it's trying to prop up the caterpillar. You I guess my view it. is that I'd really like to get to Abandoned the butterfly. Ships. I'd really like to get to the butterfly faster with regards to this topic, and it requires. Ah, well, yeah, yes, you're right. It That's requires important. either some ideas to escape from Barbelay and occasionally Stone, and influence a variety of folk, as I've been able to do with my spiritual advisor. 
it's quite surprisingly, I've been able to actually have this effect on my spiritual advisor's life. After how many years of living in my presence, she's realised actually that there's not a political solution to the melees. Most of everything, yes. <laughs> Currently. And I guess... you got to get rid of damn language monkeys. So... It begs the question, and I've, I've actually recorded three short funks and not put any of them out associated with a potential solution to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I have to agree with you, Heron. I've, you've converted me 100% to the view that a complete change of thought and perspective yeah, is yeah. potentially, and here's the, the word, yeah. <laughs> the only solution. Well, it's the only one I've been able to come up with. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. no, there are plenty of other people who think they have the solution. <laughs> yes, but funnily enough, it always seems to involve their particular politician of choice. And, <laughs> yeah. Yes, or or their religious, uh, you know, fanaticism of choice, or, yes. or their, yes. you know, Amway, yeah. you know, their multi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, everybody's got their thing there, don't they? Yeah. Yes, so. I don't know whether I'm just exclaiming frustration or what I'm really yeah, doing, it, but I'm getting to the state where I'm just, I've just got to be rid of this mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I understand completely. Uh, I've sort of gone through that. I'm that I, for myself, I've solved those issues. Yeah. So, but, well, that's but you're because, right, those are yeah. significant, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel in some regard, it's not about me solving the issues. It's about if I want this change to occur in my lifetime, I need to be. I need to be different in my approach than I have been up until now. And I don't Probably, know, I yeah. don't know if it's worth just getting rid of a certain group of people in my life, which yeah. I have done historically. Yeah. And yeah. I'm very comfortable with that in the medium yeah. term. But I'm interested because I've had this small success with my spiritual advisor to actually consider that I might be in a unique position with a number of people. To actually, and I think you are potentially as well, to actually make this point very clear that removing themselves explicitly from the current political narrative is, in fact, voting for the caterpillar. Well, whatever. Again, I don't really care how you characterize mm. that. The, the question is, if you're not going to put any psychic energy into figuring out what the Republicans are doing, mm. you know, uh, as long as you take that energy that you were wasting on that and put it towards trying to help put together a new system so that we human beings can manage ourselves on this planet, mm. then um, that's what I'm assuming. No, if you just, you know, free up so many hours in the year and spending at the bar getting drunk, then you're an idiot. Well, clearly that's not the Bartley option here. <laughs> There's another part of this paradox that catches me periodically. This, which paradox is The paradox this? of, in one sense, being disgusted by proselytization of various political persuasions, but actually the only response that I have is proselytizing my yeah, own yeah, political I know. persuasions. Yeah, right, yeah. Which uh, does strike me with, with a great degree of irony <laughs> on a regular sure. basis. Yes. What do you think? That's certainly part of what I'm struggling with. <laughs> so, in that, I think the ability just to have a chuckle about that is probably, it's a bit like the insane person in the room is, one, is the one that claims that they're sane. Like, that's the first test of yeah. who is the insane person in the room. And I guess somewhere through this, I don't know, I mean, 
I guess with my spiritual advisor, the success I had was through a variety of different and divergent arguing techniques, which returned to the fact that I seem to spend an inordinate quantity of time thinking about these specific issues. And even when I'm wrong, I'm wrong with such a degree of like, I don't know, like curious unrelated it's the, it's the thinking process exactly. itself exactly. That, that is what's important, not yes. the particular conclusion yes. that you come to right now. Exactly. And through that is this notion of kind of anti-belief, which is wherever I find something, I do a degree of research around it because I actually get great joy in proving myself wrong. Yeah, And it happens fun. quite frequently. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's yeah. actually really the thing that if, if there were a thing, it is the thing in the universe that I love to – that keeps me in the, wonder. You know, one of the prop. Well, I uh, mean, I've noticed anyway is that if uh, you admit your own failings, you know, it's like it's a PowerPoint. But when other people, yeah. you know, I've totally lost that thought now. Flip floppers. You're talking about flip floppers, Aaron? No, no, I wasn't. I, I was. Uh, well, never mind. It's it's gone. It'll come back. I'll interrupt you. And very good. <laughs> the show will go on. <laughs> yes. Speaking speak of the show going on, uh, wine glass. Oh yes, it is. Time? It is uh, time to refresh the wine very glass. Good. Yes, that's a good, good, nice way to say that. You know, I've really grown fond of the taste of this wine. Is it's it the one that I got you, or is it the one that you regularly drink? No, it's the one that I that I regularly <laughs> drink. Do you still have a bottle of that other wine that I got you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's there. It's aging. And <laughs> if I need it, I'll drink it. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's good to know that I'll have, I'll have it there. Yes. <laughs> or if I have company sometime and I made, might offer it as, um, as a special treat. Yeah. You know? No, yeah, I was in shock to find out that, yeah, that uh, it's a variety. sunset blush. It's a variety. A variety. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are plenty of them out. There. That gave me a lot, lot more political clout. I'm yeah. not just some pussy wine drinker. You know? No, you you drink a variety. You yeah. can have a particular varietal that you like. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, it really, it's it's just a lovely taste, yeah. and it's amazing how different the two are. I mean, I certainly tried the stuff you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm sure that real wine drinkers probably would hate what I'm drinking. Mm. You know, and, and say, ooh, God, it's fucking sugar water for kids, you know, or for teenage pom-pom <laughs> girls. Yes, yeah. behind the bleachers. Yeah. 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 It is interesting, actually, because, you know, I, it, it's not quite coming to the time, but soon it will be the time where I need to consider another birthday gift for you. So. <laughs> Well, cool. That'll be interesting to see what you come up with. Yes, that it will. That it will. <laughs> That's a, you're this a challenge, man. Yes. So, returning- and, and if you choose not to do it, I would understand. No, look, Heron. The nature of my the nature of my pathology is now I've done uh, it okay, twice. Okay, now you okay. You got to do it now. <laughs> okay, got it. Cool. Well, lucky me. Yes. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in conclusion to this general discussion associated with why I need to disconnect from folks on Facebook that post, uh-huh. you know, 20 posts a day associated with their various views, two, two things come out of this. The first is I create my own content. I mean, I do. Wait a minute. Wait, you. let me. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to I'm, <laughs> interrupt. Now, you, yeah. These, uh, these are people that you see these when you go to your news feed, right? I mean, you're not, this isn't showing up on your 
page. This is your infrequently they'll post to my Facebook page. I'm oh, sure. so they're actually posting to your. But, but most of the time, yes, it's the news feed. Okay, all right, yeah. Well, I mean, but that's easily fixed. Just I, I never look at the news. Well, I do look at the news feed. Once it's impossible not to look at the news feed. The way Facebook's designed is. Oh, in fact, it's, not, I've gone it's through, easy. I've gone through four algorithm choices to try and reduce it, and it's just not working. I think that, <laughs> God, it's yeah. amazing that you're the sophisticated computer guy, and I seem to have figured it out. I never see. I mean, I see it when I yeah, first. My, my spiritual advisor frequently question. uses these kind of argument yeah. chains with me, Aaron. Well, yeah, that's all I can say. I, guess, I have no experience. Yeah, I mean, people, people people talk like, about ads on Facebook. I never see any ads on Facebook. Yeah, I actually like the ads on Facebook. My favorite is uh, eBay because eBay reminds me that I looked at something very quizzical. Yeah. You know, two weeks ago, and although that thing sold, you know, four different yeah. things turn up. Yeah, I had I had two eBay parcels arrive through the week. One was an Did account. They make it through the gauntlet. Yes, yes. <laughs> One was a book from Lotst in Poland, and it was an account of the war crimes through the Second World War. I, I'm tra- I'm paying for translations of these Polish and Lithuanian you know, war crime stuff, all written in Yiddish. And this was one of the books which I think is based on the stuff that's getting translated. And in the same day, in the package right next to it arriving in my office, was a SS Infantryman's Guide from 1941. <laughs> I have the two of these books actually right next to each other in my bookshelf. Yeah, well, and that's a I've good looked place to put them. them. And uh, the interesting thing is I have an Infantryman's <laughs> Primer from... 1937, which is something that I actually picked up from a Russian seller for next to nothing a few years ago. And in the three years between, although the one that I have Mein Kampf in there too, I bet. No, actually, I've, I've owned a couple (laughs) of versions of Mein Kampf and I've given them away pretty swiftly. It's a relatively fast read and you kind of get the gist of what he's getting at. His sequel is something that interests me. I have read recently about his sequel. Which it was written, I think, in 1939, and it's actually a series of unedited texts that they've just kind of squished together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm starting to think that this thing associated with the Second World War, in particular, I got an email from the Australian War Memorial saying that my letter of their lack of stuff associated with the Holocaust and the SS and these kind of things is actually under review currently, and I'll be getting an email from them sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, indicating uh-huh. what they will do to change based on oh, that. nice. Well, that's what the letter says. That's what the letter says, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll I've see. got a few of these previously, Aaron. I kind of know the drill. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah. yes, that's called the uh, reality check. Yes. <laughs> that and probably you know, works with just about everybody. Yes. <laughs> you scare them with your words and they'll say anything back to you. Yes. <laughs> Returning to this political thing, though, two things. I create content. I create a certain amount of content. And I love people that create content. I mean, my perspective is that you have an amazing tool. I mean, you do this to a certain extent. You repackage other people's words, but you're actually creating something that is new as opposed to just linking to some YouTube clip or yeah, some conversations that article. I have with people. Exactly. Yeah, right, yeah. So that's always been a higher form. But the other thing is that the stuff that I like now, the stuff that I actually find in the world is just considerably better than the stuff that I find on Facebook. 
It's quite curious. I mean, I periodically see. Oh, what, 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 see, I, I wouldn't even think of looking on Facebook for anything like that. Well, there was a time, and look, I still have a few friends, and these are the friends that I'm going to keep that do photo essays on occasion of the environments that they're in. And I oh, yeah, there are some that. interesting people, yeah. but those are always individual human beings that you happen to know. I know yeah. a few of those that are – a couple of them are photographers too, yeah. you know, and it's and a my pleasure. And is actually to optimize based on those people and just say, sorry, I'm changing the way I'm using Facebook again and I'm yeah. greatly reducing the people that I'm in contact with. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, listen, you got to do what you got to do. So, I, like I say, I'm approaching 700. I'm looking to get more friends. Yeah. I'm at 698 now. The funny thing is, and this is something that I will raise, <laughs> I, did, I think I mentioned Gerald Jung initially. Gerald Jung's actually coming to the Bay Area and got back in contact with me. Um, it, one of the things is that once you've communicated with someone on Facebook, even after, and I, I Gerald Jung, I think, made the second cut and then was cut from my Facebook feed, because really I have no connection with him, aside from the fact that I have about six years' worth of audio recordings of him taken about seven years ago. Um, but he contacted me, and he said he's going to be in, in the area, and I said, well, let's get together and, you know, meet for a meal, and he's, you know, when he's in town, we'll get together and have a meal. I've never actually <coughs> met Gerald, but this has been the way that I've lost a number of friends previously, so let's see what happens in terms of us <laughs> being in Squish. Yeah, right. And um, there was a circumstance where his wife and daughter were coming through Las Vegas and were somehow originally going to meet up with my wife and I and didn't end up doing that. And I think, I don't know what was really the beginning of the end of my communicative friendship with Gerald, but I think when we stopped doing stuff that was kind of simpatico and we stopped being, you know, people that talked on a podcast every so often, I don't know. He was one of the easy folk to... Kind of say, well, you know, it was an well, period yeah, of time when in my you're life and, in that yeah. mode, yeah, <laughs> you know, you certainly. just start cutting shit. Man. So like, yeah, cool. I mean, we'll we'll get together and have a chat, and we'll see, you know, where it yeah, comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's I've got that luxury of, uh, you know, I mean, I have to go to work a yeah. couple days a week, but I mean, basically, I just don't have to deal with the physical presence of other human beings unless I choose to do it. Yes. So one thing that we've converged on, in fact, we converged on it while I was in San Francisco, was, uh, what's the fellow's name? Jimmy Diesta? Is that the fellow's name? The knife guy who also does, like, amazing restorations and things like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, his YouTube channel I found yeah. and I posted and you thought, found it enjoyable. I've oh, gone yeah, back through stuff. his catalogue. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I mean, I think these, he reminds me a little bit of my uh, mother's eldest brother, who I caught up with the wedding, although in his later life he got married and had children, but certainly through his early life he was the kind of guy that, you know, would take bits of leather and wood and, you know, metal and just create yeah. stuff out of that. Yeah, yeah. So I did feel a certain degree of kinship with Mr. Tiesta. His, his family have all created YouTube channels, which is quite curious. <laughs> so his nephew has a YouTube channel which is similar. I'm wondering if he was marketed to me... Because it's like an intersection of my interest in, like, video bloggers, but also my interest in kind of survivalist nuts who yeah. do, like, knife and gun <laughs> reviews. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he was just, like, an intersection of those things. But he's made a good deal of money on reality television. Oh, really? Which is really very curious. I mean, his stuff is on, like, the Discovery <laughs> Channel and the History Channel and this kind of stuff. And I'm surprised ah. that I've never actually had an intersection with this fellow yeah. through those networks. But I just, I guess, missed the shows that he was on. Uh, well, you know, it's just like that, that piano player that I posted a couple <laughs> of days ago, that kid. 
you know, I mean, he's been around for a couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just now finding out about him. Yeah. yeah. I discovered through my YouTube channel and my Google AdSense that probably in the order of hundreds, if not potentially low-end thousands of dollars I've lost in the past few years because of some YouTube issue. Really? And actually... Oh, you I mean think, in revenue? In yeah, no, I've been making between... Um, you know, thirty to seventy dollars a month on YouTube through my ads, <laughs> cool. and it's been going nowhere. But it's not been being held for me. I think it, it's ethereal because I make oh, you sure mean they're not sending you the seventy dollars a month. No, no, they're just running the ads. And I don't know actually how what? I appeal this or what I actually do about it, or whether I just pull ads from everything and just you know stick it to them that way. <laughs> but it is very, very curious, and I've noted it periodically. I've just not been. I was doing some editing or something and I got an email from AdSense saying, you've got to agree to our terms and conditions and then download all your revenue documents. I downloaded my revenue documents. I'm like, well, where's my YouTube revenue? It's not in here. I get about a hundred bucks a year through AdSense, just through sites. But my YouTube revenue is more, like quite substantially more. And I went on the YouTube side and it said, yeah, you know, 30, I mean, it's really 50 to 70, some, some months, like one in, one month every two years, I'm making $120 a month. Yeah. Or I'm at least graphically showing that. But when I actually click on the earnings report, it won't let me click through. And I went through a few iterations <laughs> trying to resolve clever this. clever of And yeah. so where do you, what do you do when you have that kind of a problem? There's no phone number, I suspect. Clearly not. No, nothing. And then you've got to go Isn't through that the interesting. documents. And yeah, I mean, my perspective <laughs> is actually I probably should shut everything down and just start a new YouTube channel and make sure absolutely positively that everything... But the thing is that they change their terms and conditions so frequently. And the people that actually make money through this, this is like their job. I mean, they actually like invest serious time to make sure that all these things are checked. Oh, and yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. So, so yeah, what, I don't know. Imagine a world with, without capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> all those people set free. Amen. Amen. Yeah, my uh, my favorite cannabis-related YouTube channel has now become the number one cannabis 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 <laughs> YouTube channel on YouTube, which I think is actually. Are there a lot of cannabis channels? Oh, heron. I mean, I don't know. I, I never looked. <laughs> there are probably well, at the, at the top issue. I mean, when you say cannabis, I mean basically you're saying it's got that tag on it, cannabis. Yeah, and they do special things. things at the start of the videos to indicate that they shouldn't be removed from YouTube, like they're only catering to adults and people with medical cannabis, what have you. And I mean, most well, of them they do have to that. run a disclaimer. They have, either they say it or it's in the top text. Otherwise, YouTube flags them and then they have their channels deleted. I mean, YouTube really? thankfully has moved beyond that and now realizes that the substantial advertising revenue through this. And obviously, these people are actually ticking the right boxes. The thing that interests me through this fellow in particular is just how completely normalized, and that's why I like with a lot of these channels, is that it's just normalized discussion associated with the post-decriminalized era. Yeah. Like, you know, there's nothing nudge, nudge, wink, wink, this is all clandestine yeah, 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 stuff. This yeah. is like no, this high is school law. shit. Yeah, no, it's you time know? to change. This is a way exactly. of screwing around with your own mind. It's your right to do that if you choose yeah. to, you know, and fuck anybody else. Well, no, there's not even that attitude, which I'm well, I know, but I, yeah, It's I, just like this is life. This yeah. is the breadth of experience. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It grows out of the ground. <laughs> it just comes right out there. What do you expect? Or you can, do many, it? as you can in many states, you buy it in stores. 
Whatever. Yeah, it's just, well, again, it's no, well, it's just like marriage and a whole bunch of things, these artificial distinctions that we find useful in society, but actually, you know, just these arbitrary distinctions, you know? There's a fellow called John Walsh who hosted a television show mm-hmm. for the longest time called America's Most Wanted. Okay, yeah. I'm- which, for, his son was killed in the early 80s. In fact, his son was kidnapped. He's made killed. a career out He's of He's made that. a career out of that. <laughs> being his role yeah uh, he has a new show that is just on netflix i think it's been on He's still going at oh, it yeah. Oh, yeah yeah called the hunt and i watched Ooh, a few episodes associated with i look i in its australian incarnation which was particularly strange it all comes from unsolved mysteries though unsolved mysteries was like the gateway for me getting into these kind of programs in particular because there's a small probably it was it was when my parents got divorced my mother made the very stupid choice of buying a VCR. And it was my introduction to, because my mother couldn't use the VCR, of me actually recording a wide variety of television programs and movies that I never normally would have been allowed to watch in my very kind of restrictive, anally retentive academic family life up until the divorce. So I used to record <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, for example, but also Unsolved Mysteries and Cops. Ah. This was like my diet at a, a ah, relatively young yes. age. Okay. Yeah. And then also um, <laughs> what was Australia's Most Wanted, and then when I came to the US... See, I was I watching me. Beanie and Cecil. Yes. <laughs> Inside the actor's studio, yeah. <laughs> but these things... Uh, so anyway, I, you know, I, I acknowledge my addictions... And I was watching the first episode, and it was associated with a couple in uh, Shasta County, California. I think it's Shasta County, which is like one of the main Humboldts. It's just next to Humboldt, so it's the main kind of weed cultivation area. And there was a long discussion associated with the fact that the fellow who murdered his wife was a professional weed grower. And although mm. California was, what was the term they used, a compassionate state associated with the use of medical marijuana, mm-hmm. there was a whole lot of aspersions put on this fellow's character. What year was gotten, this? This was recent. Like, this was 2015. Oh, okay. Very recent. And I thought to myself, this is very curious because still there are, well, it's, it's now coming at about halfway states with decriminalized versus states where it's still very heavily criminalized. And it's an interesting narrative because my hope is, in fact, I've debated what my role, what my view should be in this case. I'm going to Portland in a few months, maybe a month and a bit. And I'm thinking of places other than Northern California where I can live in the US. And the full decriminalization of cannabis is one of those issues that I think probably is up there but i also have relatively the problem is i have relatively libertarian views on other things as well and this whole kind of kind of nanny state stuff that i'm well that's everywhere you go i mean that's no it's not actually there are plenty of there are plenty of states of the union where well you can leave the united states too there are plenty of other places well actually the problem is that the u.s is currently the u.s in states at least is beating a majority of the world associated with like cannabis is a particular issue. Well, I'm just saying the United States, I mean, in the long run, probably isn't a well, it's just, you know, there are other options of places Look, to gay live. Gay marriage, so, yeah, you know more about cannabis. That. These things are patchwork country wise yeah. outside uh-huh. the US. And yeah. although there's a bunch of other crap that you have to deal with here, yeah. you know, these are I think there are sufficiently informed issues that when you live in places where these things are, 
I mean, even decriminalization, it's interesting because, what, 93, so, what, four years, four, three years before it was decriminalized or at least medicized in California, it was decriminalized in Canberra, Australia, where I'm from, and also Adelaide, where I was born. When you say decriminalized, that means legalized well, or just not? Well, that's it's very curious. So, not, vast yeah. quantities are still illegal. Is it being taxed? No, it's not. This is oh, the interesting okay. thing. Oh, so that's the, the movement issue, into, yeah. There's the movement into medicine and there's the movement into commerce. And yeah. the movement into medicine, you and I previously rapped about associated. Well, medicine will take care of yeah. itself. You know, that's their job. Let them figure it out. Yeah. So, but that narrative, in particular, the notion because even the even the movement into medicinal cannabis created a huge quantity of money in a very short period of time, and created obviously tax <laughs> revenue, but also created a lobby, and the lobby around that has its own curiosities. <sighs> Shit. Yeah. So yeah. So capital. Yeah, we still got to deal with capitalism. Else, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's that's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what we get to deal with. Yes, but the narrative associated with this fellow. I mean, it's a bit like I don't know. Having living, listening to heavy metal music, or I don't know. Like there are all these kind of strange things where there's a kind of conservatism in the nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I mean. The, this is a curious thing associated with the thing that's happened in, uh, in uh, you know, the fellow entering the church and sitting down for a Bible study and then progressively <laughs> kind of everybody. outlining yeah. his, his dislikes of certain groups of people and then killing people. Yeah. It's a yeah. very... The, the narrative it's associated a great story, with that man. is very, very <laughs> curious. No one seems to want to talk about mental health through any of this. Well, there's a guy... Caught in a story. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's got some fucking story running in his head, and it's real enough for him to do that. Well, the age that he is makes the story even more real. Yeah, yeah. And it's the thing that I found curious in this country, because certainly... Well, those kids at Columbine. Yeah. You know, I mean... Two of them doing it. I think the kids at Columbine had a probably slightly deeper story. I mean, my, my... Occasional friend Douglas Rushkoff made the point that there was well, did, yeah. there was a strong sexual component to their activity that the media didn't in any way touch. Really? Well, whatever. I mean, they clearly had a deep relationship. I mean, to to do that with somebody yeah. is uh, is a unique kind of relationship. <laughs> well, as as Rushkoff notes, they were originally referred to as the homosexual trench coat mafia early on. Oh, really? And then they pulled that from the media reporting within the first 30 minutes. <laughs> I've, I've actually never heard that. No, Doug Rushkoff has a, has a long rapping session associated with that. And I think actually... Does that whole, claim that in fact they were lovers? Well, I don't think... My perspective, and it could be Rushkoff's, because I don't think he's gotten into any degree of depth that I've ever read associated with that. But my perspective, and I had this with our new listener, uh, let's just refer to as Annabelle, who may or may not be listening to these things going forward, uh, was that that whole period in terms of male sexuality is oftentimes manipulated and described in... It's a very curious period for young men, you know? Because if you're 14, 15, 16, in particular in American culture where football jocks are kind of you know, the the jock and the cheerleader are given defined sexual posts. And if you don't fit in with those kind of views, then the easiest thing to malign is your sexuality. 
And I found it actually quite interesting. There have been various independent documentaries made about the stuff that led towards, you know, what ended up with yeah. Columbine. Yeah. But I think the sexuality element is one that is rarely discussed, and even Rushkov's discussion of it was purely to yeah. identify it in his writing. I think it's well, in coercion. Well, it would be helpful yeah. if there was some actual data, yeah. <laughs> you know, or Well, it's very, something. I mean, I've, you know. the thing that strikes me about this country is I am genuinely stunned how infrequently these things occur here. <laughs> right, yeah, dude. Well, of course, it's it's... You know, wait, just give it a couple more years. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, but it never seems to. I mean, that's the, the pressure thing. is building. It, that's the thing. It never seems to. I mean, there was a period of time where school shootings were increasing at a dramatic rate, and then they just dropped off. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, we'll wait a couple more weeks. You know, there'll be another one. Yes. And it'll probably be, I mean, there's no point in doing it unless you're going to do it bigger and better than the last guy. Well, that used to be the thing, but now I think. People well, now, yeah, this is going to require, you know, yeah. explosives or something. Yeah, my suspicion is actually that what's happened it's associated with, now, with yeah. mental health is that the, the, like, the low-hanging fruit in terms of mental health <laughs> seems to be recruited by the FBI yeah. and the CIA yeah. to do things and then they're swiftly arrested. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's such an amazing time to be alive on this planet. <laughs> yeah. My wife has a cousin who I met at her grandmother's funeral. And she, for the longest period of time, thought that she couldn't have children. And then, mysteriously, in her early 30s, got pregnant. And the fellow who she was with, who also thought that she couldn't have children, I guess decided that he wasn't interested in sticking around and being a right. father. Yeah. And I don't really necessarily want to narrate too much associated with that, but that's just like the matters of fact as I have been presented them. Okay. And um, so she ended up moving to a southern state to be with her sister, who was married with, I don't know, three, four children, or had adopted some children, and then... Anyway, so she posted a picture of her son's preschool drawing which was originally... Wait a minute, her son's the, the child she gave birth this to. This child she gave birth to, who I think is, is now three or four, maybe four. Okay, and so she posted a photo or a picture, a, a picture of his drawing. Of his school, preschool work, which was supposed to be devoted to Father's Day, but which he had <laughs> kind of crossed out very heavily and yeah. wrote, Mother, oh, okay. well, on good. Top. So he's already been indoctrinated and yeah. uh, scribbled out yeah. a bunch of other stuff and wrote oh, in all the great yeah. stuff about his mother. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. And I reflected because it's interesting, actually, yeah. this whole like trench coat mafia sexuality thing. I reflected certainly. You know, I had very few male role <laughs> models through my life, through my early life, and in fact, the male role models that I had. I very heavily discarded sometime really in my early teens because I realized that they just were not <laughs> role models. Yeah. And the other th interesting thing is I guess my, my maternal grandfather is probably the only male role model who kind of stuck through that period of time. Um, but certainly, you know, when I look back at the phone hacker John Draper Crunch and Steve Wozniak and these kind of people who I met – these were kind of male role models in my life until I met them and had them jump on my <laughs> back and rub a crotch and my back and all this other kind of stuff. Um, so it's curious to me to look at this document that this child has put together and reflect on the fact of what are the important 
factors, because I feel very gutturally that there are important factors in having male role models, that young men without male role models, as I experienced, have... Well, that's something his mother needs to be considering. Well, you see, this is where it gets very difficult, because obviously in terms of the narrative that I presented, in terms of the kind of politicisation of what a role of a father is, and also, you know, these things are difficult, and I don't want to approach this in any way like I'm some... You know, misogynist coming in. So, I mean, my perspective is it's probably easier to have this conversation with you than to try and address it with her. Yeah. But what I've gotten through... Especially if she didn't invite your opinion. Clearly. Yeah. Which is one of the great things about Stone Ape. Uninvited opinions are welcomed in this forum. Yes, that's right. So, something that caught me... Well, see, can I Mm -hmm. throw something in here? Because this whole thing is about, again, about raising the next generation of humans. You know, and... All I think all of the old role models need to be questioned Certainly. and, and, and thought again from the ground but up, you see, all this, of it. This goes against the narrative associated with the elderly Vietnamese woman helping the even elderly, more elderly fellow out of uh, the... Yeah, it means you know. evaluating everything. Yes. There are old people worthy of veneration. Yes. Especially in Asia. Yeah. I mean, given the culture, given the technology, yeah. in California, there are not very many old people <laughs> who are worthy of veneration. Most yes. of them are just a bunch of old farts. Yes. It is interesting because I reflected that the time that my father actually physically left Australia, which was when I was about, I don't know, 11 or 12, is roughly the same time that your adopted father passed away. Mm-hmm. And I've wondered if that is actually one of the one of the kindred elements that we have in our jamming is that these strong kind of paternalistic yeah. roles have been generated either through books or other ethereal ideas in your and my. Well, there's existence. a lot of uh, work. On, actually, I've uh, noticed that that there are a number of studies talking about how uh, m- men, specifically whose fathers died during puberty or before have an inordinate amount of creativity and having made achievements and done yeah. things. Because there's nothing, yeah. there's no one who's going to stamp on your dreams more than some middle-aged <laughs> man. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's true. Ah, I, I don't, yeah, that certainly could be part of it, yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody to obstruct you. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, in my experience, it was actually the middle-aged man's, like, turmoil that, got him out of my physical space for a good portion of time. Yeah. So, yeah, it is very curious. <sighs> Imagine being brought up by conscious beings. Or I, at least I can't even not, do it. I mean, I can't even think what to imagine. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, well, we're too brain damaged. To, yeah. but, it's, but I can imagine somebody that could imagine it. <laughs> yeah, I can't even do that. <laughs> I'm well, just, that's sort of my aim, actually, yeah. in a sense, is is to help produce a, a generation of people that can imagine how to make the world work right. Right, that's not the right word, but you know, how to make the world work. Not, not even how to make. Never mind. Well, you know what I mean. That's kind of true. Yeah. 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 We need we need to become different beings ourselves. Our whole idea of individuality is time to change. I mean, we are conglomerates. To begin with, I mean, at one time, single cells were the leading edge, but then they all got together, merged their identities, and became multicellular organisms. But to be more Stonian than Stone here, language, like, you know, story, narrative, propagation, 
historical legacy, yeah. you know, unraveling. Ah, that's all part of yeah, bullshit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that's all part of the story I like. I've been yes. having a reoccurring dream associated with Tom in the future. In fact, it's something that I've shared with my spiritual advisor, and she has shared with me similar dreams that she's had recently. And I think my role is like a custodian librarian. I think my perspective is that this notion of wisdom and this notion of, you know, all these things that we talk about don't exist with regards to the next generation. And I'm pretty sure, although you've hinted that you have some hope that some future generation might return to these values. Might return to what values? Well, values that would enable them to see... Even in our, you know, magnitudes of foolish language monkey-dom, that at least some iterations have been made. You, you refer to the Gendo recordings, periodically the Stone Ape recordings, as being something that people could rediscover. In well, I think we oh, talked no, about yeah, that. I'm just saying yeah. it's out there. It's yeah. part of the record. You know, whatever yeah. happens to it, you don't. I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. It's just there. Some of my value choices associated with holding books in my hand and thinking what is the value of this book has been associated with what is the value of this book to a future human? Or what is the value of this book if I put it out now to, you know, to whoever will pick it and up? What do you mean by a book? You mean that particular conglomeration of molecules yeah, you're I'm holding in your hand? Yeah, I'm talking about actually physical paper currently. Okay, not, that's, not that's the, the text around. itself or the, the ideas. The text is interesting. The ideas are interesting. I think that the book as a physical thing has something that can be burnt, can oh, be thrown, can yeah. be given, can oh. and still has properties, although I agree increasingly, I, I can't see a future generation looking at these smelly... Yeah, why the hell would you ever want to read a book? I mean, yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, they belong in libraries, and um, we're, you know, research libraries and stuff, yeah. where people who want to look at books can go look at books. <laughs> you know, that's I, cool. I received a quarter of my father's books, which I realized actually through the process was probably a quarter of my father's books that he wanted to get rid of. And <laughs> through that perspective, I've looked at my books as being that kind of thing for some poor schmuck in the future, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, some of them keep me company. I know I have a collection of books that I go back to and read when I'm sick. I haven't actually been sick, physically sick for a, a few years now. I've been a little under the weather and had allergies a few days through the year, but not actually yeah. like physically feverish. Yeah. And um, they serve a purpose, but they serve a somewhat reducing purpose going forward. And actually, I've talked to my spiritual advisor in particular. Space is a huge commodity for me currently. Yeah. I mean, I have projects that actually require a certain amount of space. It requires a certain amount of freedom of movement. And we've considered a number of our areas as being, you know, potential spaces. My spiritual advisor has kind of found various rooms in the house and now has kind of dominant ownership. And I'm still, my, my land grab is still my podcasting room currently. Yeah. But yeah. yes, I do wonder whether my concern about this is just brain damage. I, I consider well, actually, probably. <laughs> I consider actually just putting them all away for a period of time, and then if I don't notice them in that period of time, donate yeah, them. Yeah, well, you can always go get them if you yeah. need them, you know? I yeah. mean, it's no big deal. It's yes. a good experiment, Yeah, actually, yeah. Yes. I, actually, I, I mean, I just so prefer reading on my iPad now. Yeah. It's just, uh, I, I just can't imagine. Well, like I say, occasionally I can't. I have to buy an, a physical book, and it just, God, it just drives me crazy to have to do that. To be honest, a large portion of my workday life is around iPads. I thought about that recently, like sometime in the future where 
my daily crust doesn't come from interacting with these devices and trying to fix various aspects of their esoteric engineering, which, mm. truth be told, is only about a third of my work, but still it's a third that takes a certain degree of cognitive energy and certain degree of, yeah. you know, what have you, ability to disconnect, I guess. This is probably my aversion to reading as much through the iPad, although I do have a number of books where when I have an iPad in my hand, I know I have them through my Google Drive that I can easily access them. And, yeah, it certainly has a place in my viewing. But I, when I use electronic things interacting, it's still primarily a laptop because I do such a variety of things, programming, publishing yeah. podcasts, editing audio through yeah. a laptop. Yeah, you live in a very still, different environment. Yes. These sure. functions still aren't available through the iPad. Yeah. Well, no, that's why I don't, I don't see any conflict between them. Mm. You know, I'm sitting at my Mac right now and I, mm. I love my Mac. You know, I don't have no intentions of getting rid of my truck. You know, but the more I can do on my iPad, I'm for it. So I'm out of topics. Do you have anything you want to float? Oh, uh, well, let me uh, put my glasses. You have one topic that you weren't going to cover. Oh, it's, it's boring. You know, apparently they've made some, uh, final decision on the so-called uh, net neutrality stuff in the last week or so. I, I've got nothing positive to say about any of that. I, okay, well, I the decision I, yeah. was made, you know, eight years ago when the term was generated. It's yeah. just a political thing that's been pushed yeah. through and, yeah. So so what are the negative consequences of it for me? Um, well, as someone who produces content and as someone who talks about future content that you want to produce... There's nothing in the current legislation that protects any of that. I mean, well, in terms what of, protection does it need? Well, if you produce content but no one can actually find it, truth be told, there are certain ways that you can do it through, you know... Well, so I put up a to, website mm -hmm. and, and I pay for it and mm -hmm. I put it up there, mm -hmm. okay? And, and you're saying Google or somebody is going to ignore that and well, not... Well, I've actually had that happen to me. Yeah, I know it. You did, yeah. but you're the only person I've ever heard that that's actually happened to. Well, how many people do you talk to? Well, not many, but uh, yeah. like I say, that's not something that I, I'm familiar. I mean, I expect bad things happen sometimes. Sometimes shit happens, you know, and and it may just be shit happening, or it may be a trend. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's your perspective, more power to you. Net neutrality uberalis. As someone well, who's actually I, 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 content, I don't intend to change anything I've been doing. So, I, you know, I mean, that's why I'm curious. I mean, what, what am I, what am I going to notice? Um, okay. So yeah, suppose, uh, I actually put up a real website for commerce, mm -hmm. you know, the Gendo site or something or other and uh, have lots of stuff there and video and shit. Uh, and I want to get a lot of people to come and see it. You're saying it's nobody's going to be able to find it? Well, I mean, as I've already outlined, I've had issues this week with Google associated with, you know, hundreds of dollars. And that interaction, the ability to communicate with some commercial entity that has no interest in communicating with you and yeah, is stopping yeah. people from getting access to your stuff or is trampling you in commerce, I mean... For me, that's well, listen, I'm not issue. in love with Google, so I don't know. But I guess the question is, why would they block access to, um, to a Gendo site? I mean, what would be the, how would that serve their interest? Um, well, this is so like speculate on how you know 
God channels lightning. I mean, I don't even know how I can talk about that. There may be an entity. Well, I mean, if people are going to do something yeah. like that, you would assume that they're doing it for some sort of no. reason. They got a book somewhere that says if it, this happens. It doesn't have to be. It, it can be through error. The issue is that if you have no means of communicating. No, you're right. That's a serious problem. Yeah. But, there, but I'm sure that. I'm sure that that can be dealt with, if not through channels that Google approves, then through extra Google channels. No, unfortunately, the representatives that are supposed to represent you here have all been paid off by Google, the yeah. EFF, all the organizations. Well, we'll see. When yeah. I, if, if, if I get blocked, then I will, um, I will be giving you a call. So, <laughs> in terms of, I mean, this is something that I've always wondered, and maybe something you can provide feedback on. In terms of the quality of experience or the way that I describe these experiences, not necessarily even validity, but like the kind of indignation and the pain that this has actually caused me and the time that yeah. it's wasted in my life. How can I convey that better to you in a way that you would take these issues? Like, I mean, is it, I know <clears throat> stylistically you're like, you know, this is just stylistically the way that you behave. And I have had certain impacts. Okay. Uh, okay. You. And so what's the issue then? The issue is that if I was in the presence of some someone who this had occurred to, and maybe this is just my that, naive trusting. Okay, I mean, when you say what had, had it occurred to, I mean, it's like if I put up my Gendo site and all of a sudden any searches for the words, uh, you know, Gendo, Wittgenstein or Gendo or epistemology. No, no, how about, how about Gendo, Heronstone, uh, searches which has historically enabled people to find your site in reasonable okay. numbers. okay. Uh, all right, so you're talking about to get it to show up. So, okay, it depends on your search terms. They they could filter. Okay, so you're suggesting that, yeah, that's what they did to you. They they mm -hmm. cut out that domain mm -hmm. name and your and your personal name, mm -hmm. and any searches mm -hmm. for those showed nothing. Mm -hmm. And searches around it because I had historical logs associated yeah. with how people. And how long did that data. last? Uh, for the majority, about three months. For all of them, about six months. And in the end. It, it just worked again, and that was the end of it. <laughs> nobody nobody uh, admitted to anything. No one admitted to anything. I contacted a few people that had claimed in the broader tech media that they knew people at Google and could make these representations, and I contacted the EFF, which historically people had said is the organization that fights for independent Internet rights. The correspondence I received from the EFF was appalling. It indicated that they were completely in Google's pocket and they had no interest in representing even large groups of people okay. at this and, and so, and the lesson you've drawn from this is this is not just a fuck up at, you know, like just, yeah, a fuck up on Google's part, but this is some conscious. It doesn't matter either way. It seriously yeah, uh, wasted a good quantity yeah, of my time, okay, which would yeah. be better spent with me working on my yeah, yeah, simulation. And there monkey. is no way, and is, yeah, that's the issue is with no ability to contact Google. Yeah. Yeah. And is that still the case? I mean, there's yeah. no way for anybody to, yeah. to ask. Well, I mean, I have a situation a currently where potentially, you know, hundreds, yeah. if not potentially low thousands worth of ad revenue has never gone to me. Yeah, and where do you, well, so what do you intend to do about that? Well, I'm not really clear. I mean, I guess this is, my point is, and the reason that I'm raising this, is that if I had someone in front of me, and I've had these experiences, I've known people, for example, that have been robbed at gunpoint, and I've known people that have had, well, for example, a fellow who was a prisoner of war in Vietnam, you know, and in their presence, in their narrative presence, I've found a certain degree of existential respect through the things that they're saying. I find it very curious as someone who's had certain experiences 
And this isn't just with you, this is with a series of people, but I'm interested because you have particular insights associated with, you know, a narrative and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, what more I need to do to be, uh, I don't know, like <laughs> insightful or at least someone who could, could garner yeah. a certain degree of respect well, I'll tell you, one of this inspiration yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. Well, for years, my persona was designed to put people off. Yeah. And, and that worked, yeah. <laughs> you know, but my sense is that's probably not an optimum strategy if you want to put ideas into the world. The difficulty here is that the terms have been so tightly defined by a corporation in such a way. What, what terms? Net neutrality. Oh, that. Oh, that oh. People now are so well versed at saying, I know what that means. That means this, this, oh, but this, nobody this. knows anything. They're all a bunch of assholes. Who gives a shit what they think? I'm just curious what difference it's going to make to me. Well, permeating through the world, trying to enact some form of change, some burden of responsibility in this, you know, we have to ask ourselves at various intervals if we have this actual interactive experience and we talk about it periodically how do we make, I mean, this is the thing associated with the political change that I've been able to have with my spiritual advice. I never would imagine that I could have done that previously. And I interact with this person on a daily basis. So I wonder. The world this, is changing too. So that's the, well, that's yes, also you know, part of it, you know? Politicians the gen- are satirizing themselves sufficiently. That yeah, yeah. I mean, the world anything. people are yeah. slowly yeah. waking up. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I, do, I don't want followers and I don't want this thing to be a religious thing at all. You know, I'm not interested in being Dawkins here. But it does strike me that once one has a certain degree of experiences, perhaps there's a certain way that one can frame those experiences to get slightly more existential respect associated with those experiences. It's interesting, actually, because my friend who who was a prisoner of war has had a very muddled and strange set of convoluted experiences from that fact. And I think, actually, I might just be a relatively strange language monkey who actually occasionally gives existential respect to people based on their stories. I mean, maybe maybe I'm the uh, the issue here. It's not the events or anything like that. Well, that's always one of a, a sane evaluation of any situation is to look at oneself, of yes. course. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, that's my view associated with net neutrality. Yeah, well, I have no view on it because I have no idea what the fuck they're even talking about. So, <laughs> you know. Yes. That's why I didn't bring it up in the beginning because yeah. I don't really think it makes any difference. Well, you know? I mean, we've already talked about politicians. We've already talked about their follies. And we've already talked about how we need to be thinking in terms of, or at least I'd like to be thinking in terms of caterpillar, you know, caterpillar yeah. riddance butterfly uberalis in these circumstances. So. Yeah, well, it, and that's yeah, one of the considerations that we need to be thinking all the time. Yeah. Yes, because that the, informs the our decision. That I have associated with the whole net neutrality discussion is, irrespective of the, my own discussion of you know Google blocking, is the internet has an amazing organic ability to survive through a wide variety of these kind of curious cultural anomalies, and the notion that anything that's enacted in the U.S. having any degree of impact. I mean, although historically particularly associated with, you know, international drug trafficking, Bitcoin, you know, pornography <laughs> rings, or what is it, selfie shame porn or something like that. Anyway, all these kind of stories, apparently the US government tries to enact legislation to catch people involved, but I'm still completely inundated with spam and uh, Quite yeah. frankly, nothing seems to be fixing that. Well, I just don't, email is just no longer. Yeah. No, I'm starting to, I mean, I've, I've said that to a variety of people that, 
really, you know, your ability to communicate with me is indicative of your Skype or Facebook <laughs> or a, a variety of different forms with the view that if I don't respond to one of them, try another and be smart yeah. about your means of approach. Yes, and mail would be the last. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have this problem occasionally with model raw radios. People say to me kind of sheepishly somewhere through the recording, oh, I sent you an email. Did you get my email? <laughs> to say, uh, I'll go back and look, but probably I didn't. Probably I dumped it. Yeah. <laughs> it got thrown in the Does your name yeah. Is your name as you appear on the show your name in the email? No, it's something like Persian Cat Lover 64. <laughs> I mean, geez, let's start with very basics. Look like yeah. a human readable name and I might read your email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Heron, I'm quickly losing steam here. I have to go and get a variety of things out of the darkness and bring them in and do a variety of other things and then collapse in a, a puddle of my own sweat. So it's been a pleasure as well, always. That sounds like fun. It always is. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk um, to you soon. Good night. Take care.